Thank you, Harry Droz. And welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back to Arts Respond. We've taken a couple weeks to sort of regroup, but I'm really excited to be back today on WNHH Community Radio with Mike Moran, who is the president of the New Haven Free Public Library Foundation Board of Directors, Elsie Chapman, who is a member, and uh, New Haven Free Public Library Deputy Director Luis Chavez Brumel. Did I get all of those titles right? That's great. I feel Thank like you. I stuffed everything into my mouth and then let it go. And and we are here. Um, so you may see the, these fabulous beads. I couldn't find my beads, but I, I'm doing the best I can. Um, we're here to talk about Mardi Gras. If folks don't know, Mardi Gras is a celebration that has been, um, I mean, one, Fat Tuesday is a celebration that is celebrated across the country and across, across the globe. Um, but Mardi Gras at the New Haven Free Public Library has really been um, just a, a community-wide celebration for as long as I can remember. Um, and, and I would love to talk about getting back to in-person. So for the last two years, of course, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is still with us, but looks very different now, um, we have still had Mardi Gras with the New Haven Free Public Library, but it has been online, which is very, very different. So let's talk about getting back to in person. Mike, uh, I'll toss it to you. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. And Lucy, thanks so much. And it's so great to be here with Elsie and Luis and with Harry behind the scenes doing his great stuff as always. So thanks for giving us the opportunity. We're really excited. Uh, and Elsie and I are probably going to try and one-up each other because we're both excited. And when we get together, it's combustible <laughs> uh, about being back in person. Uh, but February 21st, Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, 530, 830, 133 Elm Street, Ives Library. Go to the New Haven Free Public Library website. We're really excited. Tickets are going to be 50 bucks. Pay what you can. Pay more if you can. Uh, we want people to come out. So we're, we're making this as accessible as we can. And it's interesting because February 21st is not only Mardi Gras, it's the literal birthday of the New Haven Free Public Library. The Free Public Library first opened on February 21st, 1887. And it was on February 21st, 1997, Mardi Gras, the last time I think that the birthday and Mardi Gras were on the same day, that we had a fundraiser in the ground level of the library around Mardi Gras. It was a ton of fun. It was a sort of 110th birthday party. And we thought, let's do this more regularly. And that led to an ongoing party that was uh, up on Whitney Avenue at the Lawn Club. And then we thought, wait a minute, we should do this party in the library. And uh, you don't want the circulation desk to be a bar very often, but once in a while. And Mardi Gras is one of those flip things on its head kind of holiday. So it makes sense. And it's been fantastic to have it both at Ives. It's been out at Mitchell and Westville sometimes. Last years uh, we've had some really good stuff and shout out to all of our sponsors and everybody who zoomed in some really meaningful and good stuff but there's no substitute for in person and I think Elsie can share why she's excited about that. Right I just would like to add to what Mike has already said and thank you Lucy for this opportunity but um, there was a time early on as Mike said when we had the first celebration back in 1997 but during that time, we had it at the library, but for many years, we had it at the Lawn Club, the New Haven Lawn Club. We would celebrate Mardi Gras at the New Haven Lawn Club. And at one time, when I was president of the, of the board, 
of the New Haven Free Public Library. I used to wonder, why do we have any at the Lawn Club? Because there were people who came to the celebration who had never been to the library. And I said, there's something wrong with this picture. So um, as president, I said, you know, we have got to have Mardi Gras at the library. And, and one of the reasons why it created a bit of an issue was because we wanted to serve liquor. And of course, having liquor in the library was not at that time considered something you wanted to do that was, that was possible. So it required going to the Board of Alders and getting the Board of Alders to agree that we could have liquor on library premises during Mardi Gras. And from that day, this was around 2011, 2012, to this. We have been able to celebrate Mardi Gras at the library, which is where it should be, and we've been able to have wine and liquor. So that's a little bit of additional history. But it is wonderful being able to come back in person to see, to touch, to feel, to see the library decorated in mm. all of its Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras glory. I do. So I do want to go back. You just blew my mind with something you said, um, which is not just that I guess I enjoy seeing the circulation desk at the bar. Um, shout out to Tim Cabral, who I think with Ordinary has been um, serving up some fantastic concoctions. But Elsie, you said that there were people coming to the Lawn Club who had never been into the library. Yes. So yes. I, my brain just exploded. I'm familiar with the Lawn Club. And the, yeah, they like the library, but they hadn't been, they hadn't been to the library. Um, I, I was just very, very surprised to hear that. Um, and, and I will say it totally transforms the feeling of the public library to go in. So I'm someone who I spend a lot of time in the New Haven Free Public Library. I've seen it change. And I should say there are five wonderful branches. So yes, buy your ticket and come to Ives on uh, Tuesday, February 21st, but also come to all, all five branches of, of the New Haven Free Public Library because they're amazing. Um, but, uh, but I will say it totally transforms and that's part of the magic of this evening. So I'm wondering if um, either both of you or Luis, feel free to hop in, um, can talk a little bit about the entertainment in the past two years for folks who have kept coming online. Um, there have been some really wonderful and extremely rich discussions. Um, so I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, for the past two years, Dwayne Betts has really geeked out about his love for libraries, which is something that just makes me so incredibly happy. And last year, there was a really rich discussion um, with Believe, um, the author of the love songs of W.B. Du Bois. But tell, tell us a little bit about what folks can expect to see as they're stepping into the library. Because I think for some people who live in New Haven, who spend time in the library, they think, okay, but like, I know the stacks, I know I've squared, what's going to be different? Well, shout out to Dwayne, who was an extraordinary conversant and host. Uh, and two years ago, we had uh, the great founders of Cave Canem, America's Home for Black Poetry, Cornelius Edie and Toy Derricott in conversation with Dwayne. And last year, as you mentioned, the uh, great author of Love Songs. Uh, uh, and when we did that, we thought, we're not going to have in two dimensions on Zoom a replica of the on-site. So we didn't try and you know, do that. So we thought we'll go in a different direction and have this great content, which is still available online. 
and among other things, we awarded people, including Elsie uh, uh, Chapman for her signal service and also uh, uh, shouted out library staff. Back to in person, we're gonna have Timmy Maya band playing and the decorations will be done great New Haven area, uh, known to many and uh, those who don't know, him and his ensemble can find links uh, on the website to that. And decorations are done by Andy Rubinoff and it really does transform the place as Elsie no doubt can, can chime in and share. Mm -hmm. No more to be said, you need to come to see it. You'll, <laughs> That's right. it, you'll see the colors. Um, there's no way to describe it. It's an experience you're going to have to come to, to behold. It is truly transformational. Um, it's the library as you see it only once a year, but it's worth the trip and it's worth the fit more than more than the $50 admission price, more than the $50 admission price. Plus, we're going to have food, we're going to have music. You don't have to pay extra for the food, you don't have to pay extra for the liquor. Come imbibe, enjoy. Enjoy. I'll just add really quickly. So thank you, Lucy and Harry for this opportunity and of course Mike and Elsie for all the inspiration and this dedication to the public library system here in New Haven and I think the most exciting thing about coming in person is that we're building community right what Mike and Elsie were saying that that zoom is just is not the same so when you're again you're sharing space and what's exciting that yes you know Iowa's main library have a wonderful system and across the city shameless plug visit all of our wonderful locations at Fairhaven Westville at Mitchell and uh, Stetson of course but it's you're bringing people together who may not necessarily interact. Folks from other parts of town, they may go to only their neighborhood library, say Wilson in the Hill or other places. Coming to Ives, you're getting to interact with all aspects of life. And that's definitely something as a public library, that's a unique contribution that we have where everyone gets to come and participate and celebrate because it's open for all. And to have our new price point, just to make it just accessible to celebrate the 136th birthday. And so I think that's just a unique experience at Canvas. And I think to just add to what Luis was saying, it's, it's important to remember the public library is our common ground, 365 days a year, well, it's not open on holidays and you know, so on, but it is the place that belongs to and is used by everybody, by the overworked and the unemployed, by people of all stations and, and locations and all kinds of facets, people who've been in town for a week, people who've lived here their whole lives, and it actually has the door count that's the highest of any cultural institution in town, greater than the Schubert or the museums or other great places, but more people come through the doors of the public library, not to mention all the people who access online. So it really is the chief public good. And in a time when we're torn apart in so many ways and distracted in so many ways, this is the place that provides opportunity to be together on common ground. I was at recent events, uh, uh, Nikki Dawadoff's book talk actually, with Dwayne Betts, the first uh, that, and again, it was this great cosmopolitan canopy. The Navy Preservation Trunks had a talk about its great builder book, and there was all kinds of people there, uh, and people met each other for the first time. So it really does show the promise. Between Christmas and New Year's, I went to each of the neighborhood branches and was sort of, uh, you know, uh, used the time, downtime from my own professional work and I got to say, I, I know and love libraries. And I wouldn't be where I am but for public libraries. They really are the, the gateway for me. But 
I was so moved by what I saw and how when I went, for example, to the Wilson branch at the end of December, and there were people lined up waiting. And there were people who have some very challenging circumstances in their lives who count on that library. When the door opened, the staff who were eager and enthusiastic greeted everyone by name and with dignity and respect. And it was so fantastic to see, I know this, but to actually see it and be with it. And that to me is why the public library matters so much. It is the chief public good that we share in common, which is why it's important to know it, to support it, to support Luis and all of his colleagues. And Mardi Gras is a fun way to be able to do that. And just again, just to add to that, uh, Mike calls it the chief public good, and Lucy, I call it the community equalizer. Because no matter who you are or where you are, you could be coming to the library as a person who is experiencing homelessness and sit next to the CEO of a major corporation. And in that library, you're the same. You're both welcome. So and I'm I... going to also bring into the conversation we this year will have Mardi Gras without the physical presence of John Jessen, who was a leader in Mardi Gras online and on site, and who died much too young last year. We all mourn his loss, but we also feel his legacy and his presence. He raised up great people in the library, like Louise Chavez Bromo, who followed him as a, a branch director at Wilson and then into the central administration. And there was nobody more passionate about public libraries and about this great good city and really had fierce passion for its people than John Jessen. And uh, I won't give everything away, but we will have a particularly John Jessen way that may involve uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, ordinary uh, uh, Tim and, and company in terms of honoring John with a specialty uh, way of, of honoring John. So he will be present uh, on February 21st, and I know we will all be there with his spirit and celebrating his life and legacy uh, at Mardi Gras 2023. Yeah, Mike, I'm really glad you brought that into the conversation because one, um, I think I speak for a lot of New Haveners when I say I just, I miss John so much in a way that, um, I mean, I, I love as a reporter, I love getting to interact with city officials and and John was in every way, you know, a city official, but also just a consummate public servant. That is how he saw his life. Um, and I, re I really, really miss him. Um, but the library has been through three years of enormous transition. Some of it has been expected transition. So um, before that three-year period, the library cut the ribbon on Ives Squared, which was really exciting. And Elsie, I think you taped your uh, your video when you received an award in Ives Squared, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, yes. And, um, and, and then, you know, when we were faced with COVID-19, and I think we know so much more now than we knew in March 2020, the library pivoted very quickly um, to saying these are the online resources. Meanwhile, John and a lot of librarians and library staff were working sort of day and night behind the scenes to get curbside pickup reopened and then a gradual reopening that started with the um, the computer center, which is really a vital lifeline for a lot of folks at Ives. And then the, the rest of the, the Ives library and, and then also the library branches. We've seen the opening of 
Stetson, the new Stetson Library, which is so beautiful. And um, and Mike, I, I saw you two weeks ago uh, from, I guess, tomorrow at sort of this beautiful goodbye to the old Stetson branch, which is across the street at 200 Dixwell Avenue. The, the library has just been through enormous transformation, some of which has happened while people have been very isolated. And I'm wondering if you also see this as a chance to sort of honor and recognize that and lean into the future of the New Haven Free Public Library. Sure, I mean, I guess I'll go quickly as you know, a staff member who uh, worked with John and the wonderful library staff. And I just want to credit that it's the wonderful library staff who really helped us get through um, these last three years of transition. And to kind of give context, you know, John was named city librarian, December, 2019, Mardi Gras was I believe February, 2020, and then March, 2020. But it's definitely a situation where we had to really reflect a lot on everyone's place. You know, how do we reimagine our services? How, you know, the community needs our services. And I think that was definitely you know, courageous conversations across the board. We had to think, how do we quarantine our books? We didn't know what was going on. How do we make curbside services accessible? What do we do with our physical infrastructure if we have historic buildings like Ives Main Libraries, over 100-year-old building? How do we make that available for folks? How do we have people come in safely to use computers? How do we make laptops and Wi-Fi hotspots available to people so they can check out? All of these things, infrastructure, it was the amazing library staff that made it possible and the support of the public that makes this work possible through grant funding and the facilities improvements, all of these things are made possible by amazing hardworking people and it's all for the community good. And I think kind of building off what Elsie and Mike were saying about the role of public libraries in society, you know, just talking with John over the years would always say, you know, it's about, we're like in the human potential business, right? And we're dealing with people and how do we help people be the best versions of themselves and how do we really inspire folks in this space? And that's why, you know, maintaining these spaces and having the collections and, you know, having fun events like Mardi Gras as a way to do that and support. So I'll pass it over to Mike and Elsie. And, uh, and again, to add to what Louis Jed said, he talks about the staff and all that the staff has been doing, but understand that this library is still, the library, this library system is still understaffed. Uh, we don't, it's amazing, amazing to Mike, to the board of directors, to the foundation, that so much gets done in this library system with 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 a staff that is not where it should be, not where it needs to be. And yet the people in this system, the staff in this system are so dedicated, dedicated to the work of the library that they do what's necessary to make it all happen. But rest assured, um, the staff is not where it should be. Yeah, I'm... Elsie, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm not glad that you had to bring that up, however. And I'm wondering if, if we can talk about, you know, how folks not only during Mardi Gras, um, but all year round can advocate, because we're about to get into, into city budget season. How I think I got an email from Al Lucas, who is with the city. Al, shout out to you. You're great. Um, but, but about um, hearing dates that were coming up, Usually city budget day, I think is March 1st. 
Um, so why is it important for folks, you know, going into, yes, Mardi Gras season, hopefully they're going to have a really good time, but then also going into to the city budget, how can they think about supporting the library, advocating for the library, um, fighting for our, our public library, which I will say has won the highest honor in the country, right? Okay. For, for anyone who's sleeping on the public library, it has won the highest honor in the country of its kind. There's lots of ways that people can support. And part of the reason we want this to be a fundraiser uh, and have as many people come is we do want to activate, reactivate, you know, sort of coming out this side of the pandemic. Um, the budget, as you as you noted, will be uh, unveiled on March 1st. And then there's a series of hearings. I want to give a shout out to, again, the library staff, to Maureen Sullivan, the acting city librarian, and all the dozens of people who work across the system, as well as to our colleagues on the library's governing board, led by Lauren Anderson. Uh, and a special shout out also to Jeanette Morrison, who's the older representative and a fierce advocate for the library system uh, citywide, as well as uh, the ones for the new Stetson. So we've got a good infrastructure, but as Elsie said, there needs to be more people over time. Martha Brogan used to say the city had, had a sort of a penny on the dollar of the city budget should go to the library. And that would begin to get us to the kind of place, maybe that can't happen overnight, understand that, but we really do need to begin rebuilding the infrastructure for the future of this library, as Elsie noted. And one way that people can support, in addition to Mardi Gras, is to look out for when the hearings are. It matters to show up, to write, to email, to stop your alder on the corner if you see them. Uh, we are blessed to have 30 people. So everybody who lives in town is close to their alders, and we should take every opportunity, as well as to the mayor, to remind them of the importance of this great public good. Libraries are not forces of nature. They don't just happen. They are human endeavors that require constant human tending and care. And as Elsie said, as everybody knows who steps foot in there, Lucy, you can testify to this, Luis and his colleagues are going above and beyond the call of duty every day. I was with a bunch of library staff yesterday, and it was so powerful and poignant. And they want to do more. And the needs are so great that more must be done and can be done. And we can't expect the folks who were there to do it all by themselves. They need us. They need no more support. So make plans to show up and show out at the automatic hearings and other ways of getting your voice heard during the upcoming budget cycle. And not only to show up, if you feel that you can't show up for whatever reason, you can't get to the public hearing, write a letter. Write a letter to your alder. They're humans. They will listen. They, you know, the more letters that are written, the more noise that is made, the more they will react to it. So, so get the letters out, start the emails, uh, hard copy, come out to the hearings if you can, because in-person always matters. Yeah. And, you know, we're here to celebrate a fundraising effort from the public. And I want to celebrate that. We, we want and we actively, we raised nearly $2 million from individuals, foundations, families, uh, religious organizations, institutions for Stetson, which is great. 
But that was on top of a key public investment from the city and from the state in the case. And you, you can't do rely on any one of those. They all have to work together. And the reality is the more public funding, the more we can raise private funding. Private funding cannot replace public funding. It's all additive. So the more we do, the more we'll do, if that makes sense. And so the private fundraising is important. We want people to write checks and come and buy tickets, but it's not to substitute, it's to add on to. And we need always that core public foundation on which to build. Yeah, so I am going to remind folks, if they're just joining in, thank you for being with us here on WNHH. LP 103.5 FM New Haven. I'm Lucy Gelman, and this is Arts Respond. Today, my guests are New Haven Free Public Library Deputy Director Luis Chavez Brumel and New Haven Free Public Library Foundation Board of Directors President Mike Morand and member Elsie Chapman. So I, I just, if, oh, did I get that wrong, Elsie? No, 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 you're fine. Okay, I'm sorry. We're just smiling at each other. We got this thing. <laughs> I love that. I, beautiful. Um, so I, I did pull up the budget hearing dates because I'm a big dork and I like to do that. So if folks are curious, and if you're not curious, please show up to the budget hearings. They're really sad when only like three or four people show up to testify. Um, the public hearings on the budget currently, so this is subject to change, always check the city website, but are Thursday, March 13th, Wednesday, March 29th, uh, Thursday, March 30th and Monday, April 10th. And uh, I or Harry will put that somewhere on Facebook where this is broadcast as well. Thank so you. Mike, Mike, you, you touched on something and we've sort of been going around this, talking about the fact that the library fills a lot of public needs. So I think that the New Haven Free Public Library and, and public libraries all across the country, much like public schools at this moment, are doing a lot more than just being repositories for books. And, and this has been true for a really long time. But in many ways, the library has become, um, I think, out of necessity, more than maybe out of a wish of any given city librarian, a social service hub as well. And so, um, Luis, I'm wondering if, if you can talk a little bit about the, the roles that the library fills every single day um, from readers who are very, very young to readers and, and folks who are looking for jobs who may be well into their retirement. Sure, thank you. So, I mean, when we say we are open to all, we mean it. And I think a lot of it, as long as our patrons follow our guidelines, they're welcome to be in our spaces. And that is you know, increasingly public spaces and public goods and just the opportunity to simply exist in a space are becoming fewer and far between. And it's something that we as a public library and a great foundation and governing boards realize and our colleagues in city government. I like to say we make everyone's lives better, easier. Just helping us, we just make everyone's lives easier. And so what does that mean on the ground? So for example, we have, let's say, parent with children of different ages, have a story time on a library location. Say the parent has an older child, wants to play with some Legos with peers from school. We work with different volunteers for homework help, special programs, special events. Then let's say they need help applying for a job. There's a public access computer. Let's say during right now at three locations at three current libraries at Wilson Branch, Ives Main Library, and Mitchell Branch, we're working with volunteer income tax assistance. 
where folks can go at very least once a week, at uh, two locations twice a week or several times a week. They have a tax help for free. We're making that accessible. And so when you see really the importance of community connection, the role that you know, we are here um, to make things accessible for people and that it is a community um, right and a treasure to experience these things. And that's something that people forget about. I had the privilege to serve on the city's cultural equity plan and with Adrian Jefferson and other college and city government and other local arts administrator leaders across the city of New Haven. And it was really interesting because we talked about the importance of cultural equity as a human right. If you look at the UN Declaration of Human Rights and just access to education, all these various things, access to knowledge and the culture, the, the, this is part of our humanity. And so how do we make sure that's accessible? And so when we have folks of all walks of life, our wonderful colleagues at Liberty Community Services, Sylvia Mascarella would often say that, hey, if a person just goes on the computer and watches a YouTube video or something, that's a way if they just happen to be unhoused or other challenges, that can, that's a way of them reaffirming their humanity. And so coming a space where people feel a sense of dignity in a library space and you know that there's more that can be done. We're always learning, it's iterative, but this is definitely something that we work to make it accessible for everyone and to be responsive in our needs. And I think that's definitely something when we are, you know, a global city in many ways, as economic development administrator Mike Piscatelli says that today we are a global city, we have a passport office now. Why? Because there's such wonderful international communities. Uh, we just had a wonderful Lunar Fest celebration, their first in-person event. And it was just really fascinating to see that where we, they weren't sure how many people show up. They figured, oh, maybe 30, over 100 showed up for the Lion Dance program and then other uh, fun events. And these are just ways that we support capacity. And just a little quick Mardi Gras story to kind of put it all together. A couple of weeks ago, there was a wonderful event with the city's Department of Arts, Culture, and Tourism had a neighborhood cultural vitality grant. And I think you might've done some coverage on it. It was at the New Stetson Library, wonderful press conference. And all these various different community stakeholders were just there at the press conference, just in recognition. But that event took place at the New Stetson Library that was supported by the community support that Mike and Elsie mentioned. And also as past Mardi Gras, right? Because I remember the days of oh, it's Mardi Gras, Stetson campaign support. So that, again, as Mike was saying, that's, it didn't happen by accident. It was a human endeavor. And another example, how we build capacity for all these various other organizations. And we just kind of put that back into the Yeah, and, and oh, go ahead, Mike. I just wanted to shout out Diane Brown at Stetson, which is, um, you know, if I don't do it at least once a day, I fail as someone who loves the library, so. Luis, you know, it really is whether it's February 21st, 5.30 to 8.30 as a party, everybody come, uh, or day in and day out. Luis, you know, if, if we take nothing out and remind ourselves, the library is about humanity and dignity. And to the point that you made, which was so great, Lucy, in thinking about budget, I was reminded in my recent spending uh, in-depth time in the branches, some of our uh, patrons who say, don't are not internet savvy and not connected and rely on the library. These are not folks who can do just self-service. They, they require somebody from the staff to work with them. The staff want to do this, and I saw this happen. Somebody coming in applying for a job online. They don't have a computer, they don't have access. They it's not just you can say, here it is, turn it on, good luck. They needed somebody to work with them through that. It takes time. And I say that as a reminder to ourselves as residents, as taxpayers, to uh, our political leaders who are listening, 
in this time and, and in this kind of work, it actually requires more investment than in the past times. It might just be, here's the books on the shelf, here's the catalog, and we check them out. This kind of work, which is essential, the work of dignity and humanity that the library has always done but is doing more of, is really labor and time intensive. And we need to remember that. We can't just expect that these people will be superheroes. Library staff are amazing, but they're also human beings. So there's, there's a, it's another reason for it. We need to make this investment. And also, as Luis was saying, and as Elsie's been saying, you were saying, the library is this hub that everybody comes to, 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 to plug into and to use services. And it's an amplifier in that way. And it's why strengthening the foundation is such a good investment, because you get this multiplication effect from all the different organizations, other city government agencies, nonprofits, community groups, coming together and using this foundation. So it's all why both on the public side as well as with the private stuff, it's important. And Mardi Gras is a happy reminder that this work, which is hard, is also work that is full of joy. And it's good to remember and remind ourselves of the joy part of it uh, as much as we can as well. I, I think that is very true. I also just wanted to, I wanted to double check it, but I did. Um, I, I wanted to say, you know, within talking about supporting the library, not just on Tuesday, January 21st from 5.30 to 8.30 PM um, for a sliding scale ticket, um, the in January, 2020, so uh, two months before COVID hit the city, it was a suggestion listed in the mayor in Mayor Justin Alaker's transition report. Um, so from his uh, this committee, this mayoral transition committee, to allocate one percent of the city's general fund toward the public library, which is something that um, Martha Brogan was extremely passionate about during her tenure as city librarian. So just to lift Martha up, um, and and that folks have continued to talk about since. Um, so just just to point that out, should you be preparing your budget testimony and want some some data to go off of? Um, and oh, yeah, it's good that they be true to what they said on paper. <laughs> yes. And and I think the library, Luis, you're absolutely right, played a prominent role in the city's cultural equity plan, because as all of us have said, it really is where and, and partly because there are these five branches, which are sort of tentacles out into New Haven's 18.7 square miles. Um, it, it is a place where different uh, parts of the community are able to come together. And every branch has its own personality, which is something that I really love. Um, but, but the Ives main branch really does feel, I think because it's right next to the New Haven Green, like the heart of it, it is in the heart of New Haven, or as as we understand New Haven, those original nine squares, it's right, right there. So I also want to ask, um, and and feel free to jump in any any one of you. You know, libraries and Mike. I remember you talking about this in March of 2017. So that's what six years ago at this point, um, five years ago at this point, no, six years ago at this point, um, about how libraries were quickly becoming a political battleground um, under, at, at that point, it was the presidency of Donald Trump. But we have seen this continue, especially as, um, as words like critical race theory, which actually doesn't mean critical race theory, um, as, 
sort of libraries have, have become a very prominent political battleground. And so I'm wondering if, if you can talk a little bit about that and just the importance of protecting the New Haven Free Public Library in this political moment, because we've seen it around us. We've seen school districts in Connecticut that are trying to pull books. I, I should say the school districts are not trying to pull books. Parents are trying to pull books. I mean, Luis, I think, can, can underscore the fundamental commitment of the public library to freedom and access. And it is the bedrock of democracy and the ability for people to think for themselves. And so I think you can have a fundamental commitment from the staff of this library, from the governing board, and I know all of us who care about the place, that you will not see censorship and that we will stand firm. And I think this is true of New Haven as a community and that we are a welcoming community of many viewpoints and backgrounds and multiplicity and that that's the bedrock again of our democracy. This was tested um, several years ago when there was an effort to have a book pulled from the library to the point where there was a ticket um, to have a book pulled from the library. And the staff took a position, but then it came to the library board and the board took the same position. No way. Well, and this was during uh, Jim Wellborn's tenure, the late Jim Wellborn's tenure. No way will a book be pulled from this library um, for those reasons, because once you start doing that, you very quickly get on a slippery slope and where, and you don't draw the line. So um, it, this library has just been firm in, in what it will support as a democratic, maybe one of the last truly democratic institutions. And a shout out to our colleagues, some of which are much larger systems. I know New York Public Library and others have made electronic copies available of books that are being banned in some other states. So uh, shout out to folks in the extended uh, professional library community who are making sure that access, we'll, we'll do everything we can here, and I know Luis and, and Maureen and uh, the governing board are committed to that as well. Yes, I and I saw that I think the Brooklyn Public Library is now offering a library card to anyone in the country, which is, um, you know, if if you are a child or or a reader of any age, and you are having trouble accessing books that speak to your lived experience, it can be devastating. And so I just knowing that and knowing that that it's a resource like helps me sleep a little bit better at night. So in, in our last minutes together, I want to ask you, um, so yes, we're, we are very excited about Mardi Gras coming back in person on Tuesday, January 21st from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. And um, Harry Droz, who is our wonderful station manager, will drop the details on all of the listening platforms for this. But I. I often go back to something I heard, I think it was two years ago, when uh, Dwayne Betts was in conversation with Cornelius Edie and Toy Derricotte of Cave Canem. Um, and Toy talked about the, um, the significance of the Detroit Public Library on her as a, as a child. And it, I, it stood out to me, I think, partly because that's a library that I spent a lot of time in as a kid, my Aunt Eileen was a librarian at the Detroit Public Library, and it's this beautiful old building. 
And I'm wondering if all of you could share uh, just a couple memories of libraries that have been significant to you. It can be the New Haven Free Public Library, which is uh, another wonderful building thinking of Ives, but also a constellation of buildings. It can also be a different library. I just, I love people's library stories. I'll, I'll go. Um, I was raised in Queens, New York. So I am a product of the, the Queens, Queens Public Library System. And I, I went there as a kid. I could walk to the branch library in Queens. And um, I can remember being so caught up. One afternoon, I got so caught up in a book. I literally sat on the library floor in this little stack area and sat there with this book in my hand, just reading it. And for some reason, that memory always comes back. I had such joy, so happy, just sitting there reading that book in that library that afternoon. But that's always been a special library. Wow. Do you remember what book it was? I don't remember. I remember it was about, it was a Christmas story, mm -hmm. but I remember the title of the book. But I remember the experience and how I felt. I thought about growing up in the public library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County. And I always like to say I may have two degrees from a pretty cool university here in New Haven, but I am first and foremost a graduate of the public library. And the neighborhood branch uh, in the first years of life was a bit of, it was a car ride away, not too far, but we went there a lot, but then a, a branch opened within walking distance. And I basically lived there uh, after school and on weekends. And uh, the world that I lived in was, you know, fairly small and conservative in some ways. Uh, uh, the area was once said of, Mark Twain said that when the world ended, he wanted to be around Cincinnati because everything happened 20 years later. Uh, and what was great is you go to the library and it's like, there's the world. And again, I got my passport renewed uh, through the New Haven Free Public Library. And that metaphorically was so great because the library is the passport to the world and was for me as a kid. Uh, it's just a quick library story was that you know, for me, you know, I'm actually a New Haven native. And so I just remember it's been a very surreal experience to come back and work in the public library system. So I remember just being in high school, um, just being able to go and just go to the Ives Main Library. And then like, you know, after you know, high school, I'm just, oh, just, I need my summer reading book. I need my book report for the fall. Let me go and find a book. Here's my book list, look in the catalog. And um, I would take them public transportation, you know, to get home. And so I would go and just walk by, at the time I lived in West Hills, and walk by the Mitchell Branch Library, you know, walk past Beecher Park, just seeing the building and seeing that experience. And so uh, it's been, a, you know, a real treat to come back, but just the main, just love the library seems like the space, right? Just even just being around at that kind of area of refuge where you can just be the best version of yourself. So that's been uh, some of my the best library memories. I love that. Just another quick library. Just another quick library story. It's not about me personally, but um, I came to New Haven in 2003. So the Wilson Library was the one that was being talked about, and I can remember uh, I came. I got on the board maybe a year or two after that. Wilson Library opened in 2006. But when we were going around raising money for the Wilson Library, and I would say, "Well, Wilson Library is going to be on Daggett Street," and people say, "What? What the hell? Where's Where's this library going to be?" And then, then I was what 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 I learned 
was that the new Wilson Library was going to be on the same site where um, um, Leon's used, used to be. So then I, so then when I went around and started telling people, well, the Wilson Library is going to be on the same site as the old Leon's restaurant. Oh, I know exactly where it's going to be. I know where the Wilson Library is going to be. I love that location. That was and even better, if I may. Portland Seymour Wilson and Ruth Wilson, dear mentors and friends of mine, uh, knew that spot and loved that that was the spot because they had been discriminated against and they couldn't go into Leon. Oh my and talk about, you know, now we've got Halloween in place that is open to all in that site uh, and it was made right. And if I also may say, I've been dying to say this today, Lucy, so... We're going to be on February 21st in a place where we can all joyfully say masks are encouraged. Uh, so yes. including if you want to wear a, a nose mask and a, and, and a face mask, great. But obviously wear your Mardi Gras mask if you wish. And this is an opportunity. Uh, I got uh, some custom threads sewn in Ghana in Accra uh, back in August. Uh, no doubt Elsie is going to show out uh, vibrantly and everybody's encouraged. Come as you are, but also if you feel moved, uh, uh, dress up uh, as colorfully and, and masks are encouraged. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I want to thank all of all of you who have been here with me today. Um, Harry Droz, who's our fantastic station manager, is going to post the info for Mardi Gras. But if you cannot wait for him to post the info and you want it right now, you can go to nhfpl.org slash foundation slash events and get yourself a ticket for Mardi Gras. It is from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday, March 21st. That is a week from this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, which is Valentine's Day. And um, I, I don't know, laissez les bon temps rouler, right? Right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Have Thank a, so have a much. beautiful weekend and enjoy the sunshine. Thank you. Thank you.